Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. Our mission is to live the way of Jesus so we can leave the world better than we found it. If you'd like more information about our church, you can click on the link in the show notes or head to Christ-Community.com. All right, let's get started. Today's scripture reading comes from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks so much, Mom Kate. Um, let me pray for us briefly before we dive into uh, hearing from God's word in uh, preaching this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for the ways that you meet us. Uh, You have not left us to our own devices, uh, but you have come to us. You've come to us in Christ Jesus. You've come to us uh, giving us your word, uh, showing us what it means to to know you, to follow you as well. And so we pray for our hearts this morning uh, that we would be changed by you uh, as we hear your word preached. And I pray that uh, for myself, maybe most of all, Lord, I need uh, your spirit's move. I need your word's power in my own heart. And so may I hear uh, your word this morning that I might be changed, that I might uh, praise you uh, with all my life forevermore. We each pray that for our own hearts and for one another. Amen. We all, uh, we're excited to have you tonight. Again, uh, if, you, if you need it, uh, you can... You can grab one of us after we can put, we'll put a slide up with the address on it uh, at the end or something. So uh, just to make sure that you know uh, where to go and what's going on. Uh, It's on the website though as well. So if you use the QR code, I think the second thing down uh, is uh, the the bonfire. And so if you click that, uh, you can have our address handy dandy right there on your phone uh, so that if you're coming out tonight, uh, you'll, uh, you'll know where to go, which might help. Um, as, uh, as you might guess, you know, we've been in there about two months, so we're still moving in a little bit. Our house is like half painted, so it's the crazy looking one with like white paint kind of all over. Just kidding. It's not that bad, uh, but, uh, but we are in process still, so uh, you can uh, uh, have your expectations right, right where they need to be for this, okay? Uh, but we're going to have a real good time uh, and excited to, to have everybody. I uh, wanted to mention as well, just kind of piggybacking on uh, what Molly Kate had to say uh, about our next worship space. Uh, a lot of y'all would have seen put out uh, via Instagram just kind of to folks who were part of Christ Community uh, and then via an email that I asked you to pray specifically on Friday uh, about that one venue uh, that uh, we toured together. And we had a couple that we thought, these are both good, but there's one in particular that kind of staff elders, et cetera, we're all saying, yeah, that seems like that might be the spot. Really good price, really good place. Um, And uh, we just didn't hear from them for a while. And so thought, okay, it's probably just something internally there for them. Uh, But uh, as, you know, it got to like uh, second week and beyond that, uh, really felt like, man, we need to be praying. And so thank you if you joined us in prayer this weekend, praying that uh, folks would contact us again and that if there are any barriers, uh, the Lord would work and move those out of the way. So uh, seriously, they contacted us then 
on uh, Friday afternoon, or maybe it was, I think it was Friday afternoon, uh, Anna Grace, our director of operations, said, well, just heard back from him. So God answers prayer. Did you know that? It's cool, right? Uh, God answers prayer. So there's still, there are a couple things they want to make sure that uh, they need to have typically staff on site. Uh, and they're not 100% sure that that can happen every single Sunday all year long. So the director of this venue uh, is making sure that, um, that they can do that. So please continue praying. And if they can do that, I'll tell you the name of the place. Cool? Uh, but it's, it's pretty fun. We're pretty excited about it. So uh, continue praying for that this weekend. We're expecting to hear back on Monday uh, with sort of an ideal idea and proposal uh, for what this will look like. So please continue uh, praying for us. And, you know, we've been saying this for the last few weeks, but want to continue getting just a little more explicit with it. Like any place we go next whether it's this or anything else, is going to take a little bit of flexibility, creativity from us, right? So on the, on the staff's part, it's going to take some creativity, or if you're in volunteer leadership at all, uh, if you're attending on Sunday mornings, we're asking you for some flexibility. There are some things that just in different spaces are going to have to change. There's no space that we've looked at that I think the Grove will not change a little bit. So if you're visiting with us, the Grove is our children's ministry. There's just no space that we've seen that like fits exactly what we do here. So heads up, uh, there will be some shifts. We don't know what that looks like yet, but we try to communicate as quickly and as clearly as possible, okay? Uh, I should have prayed after that, but we'll dive right into the preaching of God's word. Fun? All right. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to start it by talking about spaghetti sauce, like you do. Uh, there it is. I don't know if you have ever felt paralysis before, um, but for me, not much can do it like the spaghetti sauce aisle, right? There are way too many options. I get into an aisle like this and I freeze, right? And uh, the reason I look specifically at spaghetti sauce, I mean, it takes up just about a whole aisle of Publix or Kroger or wherever you happen to go, right? There are other products, right? Mitch Hedberg famously joked about uh, cranberry juice, right? They just need to chill out and just stay cranberry juice, not try to be cran orange and cran apple and cran blueberry and all these various things, right? Cranberry juice might be one that, that uh, paralyzes you a little bit. But uh, specifically thinking about spaghetti sauce, because you may remember there were dueling TED Talks, oh gosh, 15 years or more ago, uh, about choice. And does the proliferation of choices make us more happy or less happy and paralyzed? Right? And so uh, Malcolm Gladwell, who uh, now the famous author, he was maybe like sort of kind of famous, I think, at that point, talked about spaghetti sauces uh, and how Back in the day, in the 70s and the 80s, with spaghetti sauces, the whole idea was that the company was curating something for you. The, the whole idea was it needs to be authentic. It needs to be like Italian spaghetti sauce. And so they pureed those suckers down till it was really, really fine, and it dropped to the bottom of the bowl, which may sound like gross and not authentic at all to you, but that's what Italian spaghetti sauce was. And somewhere along the lines, a guy came in with Prego, 
right? Ragu was the king of the, the sauce that dropped to the bottom of the ball. Somebody came in with Prego and helped them do some market research that totally changed everything with spaghetti sauces and gave us the paralysis aisle now, right? And uh, so what he did was break people up into segments and talk about like, what did you like about this spaghetti sauce, that spaghetti sauce, et cetera. And what, uh, these, what Prego found, actually I think it's Campbell's that owned Prego, maybe still does at that point, was that uh, if you just ask people, what do you want in a spaghetti sauce? What you'll find is one thing, right? kind of a broad description that most people kind of fall into this category. If you can begin to break them up into smaller groups, and talk about what it is they like about it and then refine that a little bit and talk about what it is they like about that one and talk about that, uh, refine that a little bit, you'll find that though no one would ever respond to your survey, I want chunky spaghetti sauce. There's about a third of the population that wants chunky spaghetti sauce. Isn't that wild? And so that's where that aisle comes from. Uh, from this market research that told them what we need is this wild proliferation of choice, this utter freedom uh, in, in what we can put on our noodles. Darn it, we're Americans, right? So we'll get back to that, but we're talking about freedom. We're talking about choice some this morning as we wrap up uh, this series on fresh produce. Uh, there won't be a, a direct link between produce and uh, tomato sauce, sorry. But uh, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, right? And, you know, basically the whole summation of this series, though I haven't said this phrase exactly a whole lot, it's just Christ followers look like they are following Christ. Profound, I know. Christ followers look like they're following Christ, and that looks like the fruit of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul outlines in Galatians 5. And so we've been talking about this uh, a little bit. Uh, Galatians 5, it's toward the end of this letter that the Apostle Paul writ, wrote, writ, that's not a word, wrote to uh, the church in Galatia, uh, where folks had come in and said, hey, actually, uh, the gospel's great, Jesus is great, but you, if you're not circumcised, so if you don't take this Old Testament sign and seal of the covenant, you're not in the covenant people. So it was gospel via law. And just to tell you once again, if you've been here for all of it, this is kind of beating the drum yet again, but Paul is most severe in this letter than any other. There's wild behavior going on in Corinth. There's uh, supreme laziness going on in Thessalonica. But it's this place where they're adding to the gospel, which actually subtracts to the gospel, where Paul comes in uh, pretty hard, pretty harsh, perhaps, at certain points. And toward the end of that, as he's telling them, like, no, 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 it's not the gospel if you're adding anything to it. If anything to it, adding anything to it in order to come to know God, you're taken away from it. You're no longer following Jesus, right? At the end of that, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and so we've worked through Galatians backwards. We started uh, in uh, the end with this list of the fruit. Paul lists all these things, and we said it's, it's one thing. Fruit, singular, it's one thing. Uh, it's what happens when the Holy Spirit is in a life. It's just what happens. It's how we know the Holy Spirit is there. 
Second week we said, uh, just looking at verse 16, walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Right? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead uh, resides in us. Uh, and so we fix our eyes on him, we step out in faith and obedience, and the Holy Spirit does work in us, that we might not gratify the desires of our sin nature, that's what it usually means uh, when it says flesh in the Bible, uh, and instead we'll look like this fruit of the Spirit. Last week, looked at just verse 14, right, slowly moving backwards here, the whole law is fulfilled in the command of loving your neighbor as yourself says Paul. So the, the, the fruit is essentially love, right? Joyful love, patient love, peacemaking love. And so therefore, we said a life without love is not Christian in any way. And so then we come to this week, verse one, back at the beginning of the chapter, the life of true freedom. Call it the feast of freedom. And so here's what we see in just this one verse. There's a few things, right? A, true, a life of true freedom is the purpose for which Christ set us free from the slavery of sin. He set us free from slavery of sin in order to be free. Set free to be free. And so what does that mean? It means that I do what I want when I want is not freedom. Because that was the slavery of sin, right? Christ set us free from that, right? The endless choice of I do what I want when I want. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm setting you free from that. The life uh, diving into sin is not freedom. A fish is free in water. You throw him outside, he does not feel that free anymore. Imagine that, right? We are free uh, within the bounds for which we were made. That's what this verse is teaching us, right? Skydiving probably feels like freedom. I will never try it, but probably, right? You think about freedom, there's maybe this, uh, this sense of like flying. If you're skydiving, you probably feel like you are flying as long as you know you have a parachute that works or think you do, right? But without that parachute, I'll bet skydiving no longer feels like freedom. Something tells me. Again, I will never find out unless it's an accident. I'm not sure how that happens. But right, anyone who has ever uh, dived headlong into sin can tell you that's not freedom. That doesn't feel like freedom. Maybe it does for a minute, but not after a while, right? Uh, maybe you didn't dive headlong into rebellious, crazy sin, but the moment you graduated high school or got out of your parents' house and out from under their rules, right? Freedom. And I'll bet there's something in each of our lives, even if you're a really good rule follower, where it was like, ah, I should have stuck with that. That didn't really feel like freedom at all, right? It's not freedom to just live according to our wants. Jesus wants more for us. That's what this verse is telling us. Jesus wants more for us. Jesus offers more for us. He offers his love. He offers his forgiveness no matter what, right? No matter what it is, he offers his forgiveness to us. And he also offers this freedom, freedom from the control of sin, right? You're still gonna mess up. 
a lot. You still might uh, have a moment where you, you look like you are turning back into that lifestyle, perhaps, whatever it may be. And yet, Jesus offers freedom from the control of sin over your life, right? When he begins that new life in you, you will persevere. You will turn around. So, life of true freedom uh, is the purpose for which Christ set us free. Second thing is that a life of obeying in order to be accepted by God is just as much slavery as lawlessness. So the first one is he's setting us free from the lawlessness itself, which is awesome, right? The second thing is a life where we're trying to obey in order to get God's love, in order to get God's acceptance, that's just as much freedom. I mean, excuse me, just as much slavery. It says, do not be burdened or do not submit, depending on your translation, again to a yoke of slavery. Again, so going back to, remember the context, going back to uh, the law in order to be uh, justified, accepted by God is like going back to paganism, going back to a life of doing what you want, when you want. Same thing, it's slavery. The whole point of Galatians is the sign and seal of the covenant does not make you right with God which is kind of cool that we had the sign and seal of the covenant this morning, right? Baptism is not what saves us. Circumcision was not what saved them. Faith in Christ Jesus is what does that, right? Obeying is good. Obeying God is good. So if you heard me say anything other than that, uh, listen up. Obeying God is good. Obeying because we know Jesus' love Uh, and want to love him in return, good, very good, right? Obeying to get God to give me something, obeying to, to get God to give me what he already offers me in Jesus, that's not good. That's really bad, right? Now, I don't need Jesus. No, 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 no. I know, I know, you incarnated, you came down here, your humiliation, right? You were crucified for me, but it's all good. I don't need you, Jesus. I got my raggedy obedience here. Look at this. If you have kids, or you even have a kid that you love, like a nephew or a friend's child or whatever, you probably like their little scrawled drawings, right? When they're real little, those drawings are looking rough, but you love them, don't you? They're special. And yet, a child's drawing versus a masterpiece, it, it doesn't measure up, does it? Got a couple slides here. Uh, this is Jan van Eyck's Ghent altarpiece. So this is in a church. Uh, and we're definitely going to do this in our next worship space. It's going to be exciting. Um, this thing is wild. You can't see it super well from your seats. But... Uh, not only is it just a, a masterpiece in terms of, of the painting itself, but also the level of detail in this is wild. I saw a video on this uh, just this past week that blew my mind. And so in, uh, let's see, this, uh, the third little panel from the left at the top, there's a detail that the next slide is going to show you. That's a jewel hanging on one of those people's uh, around their neck. And if you could zoom in even tighter, what you would see in that blue jewel right there, you can kind of see on the, on the upper right, right-hand side of it, 
there's something that looks like a, a little whiter, lighter at least, and there's a grid. That's the window in the church. Right? In the church where the Ghent altarpiece is, Jan van Eyck painted uh, a reflection of the window where it was going to be, right? Incredible. I love my kids' drawings, I really do, and they're getting pretty good uh, at artwork, but it's not the same. It's not close. And what we're talking about is, is not just a drawing compared to a masterpiece, but this is the masterpiece of God giving himself to people in Jesus, right, that we actually can reject through the law. We can use the law to reject that, right? I love this. You'll hear me use this quote a lot from uh, Flannery O'Connor. One of her characters said there was uh, already a deep, black, wordless conviction in him that the way to avoid Jesus was to avoid sin, (laughs) right? The way to avoid Jesus is to avoid sin sometimes, where we're trying to build up our resume uh, and rejecting the gospel instead. Galatians, Paul says, that's still slavery. Third thing, a life in step with the Spirit is true freedom. For freedom, we're set free. Right? And so this is the context of the entire discussion uh, about being led by the Spirit, having the fruit of the Spirit uh, in our lives. It's for freedom. Right? And so freedom is not slavery and sin. Freedom is not Uh, just the slavery of the law. What else is freedom not? Well, coming back to that idea of the the spaghetti sauces, right? Freedom is also not utter autonomy. Fish is free in water, but it's not just about right and wrong decisions either, right? So there's a little cartoon. Let's see, can you see the, oh, you can't see that. The uh, parent fish says, you can be anything you want to be. No limits in a (laughs) fishbowl, right? And so uh, the other TED Talk that dueled against Malcolm Gladwell's used that same cartoon. It's by a psychologist named uh, Barry Schwartz who studies decision-making in particular. Uh, And he talked about uh, a fish being free in water, not only in terms of like what's right and what's wrong, but also in terms of choice paralysis. Uh, And he said, if you shatter the fishbowl so that everything is possible, you don't have freedom, you have paralysis. And the reason I come back to this is that uh, this is us. It's not just fish out of the fishbowl in terms of right and wrong. This is also the world that we live in right now. In whatever, 2004, 2006, when these uh, TED Talks were being given, it was sort of (laughs) true, but we've made some progress since then on utter uh, radical authority unto ourselves, right? Radical autonomy, being able to choose anything and everything that we can uh, since then. Back in the day, I called it the Napsterification of all things, but nobody knows what Napster is anymore. And then I changed it to the iTunesification of all things, and then iTunes is gone too. Maybe it's the Spotification of everything, but everything is curatable now, right? Everything is playlist, it seems. 
Like my, my kids barely have a concept of like when I was growing up, shows came on at a certain time. And like if you wanted to capture that thing, you had to rush to the VCR and hit play and record at the same time, right? Uh, and then they went off. Right? Everything is playlist. Everything is uh, on demand, it seems, right? Life is a playlist. Don't like this song on the album? No worries. Playlist it. Uh, don't like this uh, episode of a show? Move to the next one. Playlist. You don't like the hassle of a physical experience in a store? This one is my favorite. Let me just put a playlist on the Target app. I'll go pick it up. I only deal with the items and the people that I have decided that I'm going to deal with. I love it, uh, right? You feel like a news source talks down to you? Playlist, I'm going to only listen to the one that I like. Cool, right? But when everything is playlist, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. That's a big reason that a lot of us feel exhausted all the time. Our lives are playlist, right? And how we respond in the, the, the paralysis Right, in the overwhelmed feeling. I refuse to use overwhelm as a noun, by the way. It's a verb. Uh, how we respond to that right, is this playlist thing. Right? Spotify, make me a playlist. Now, I'm no longer making the playlist. I mean, I still make some. But now, Spotify makes them for me. Netflix, Apple TV, curate my watch experience, please. Drop the episodes on Friday, so I got to wait. Curate that for me. Uh, Target, Amazon, show me what other purchases people make with this item that I'm looking at, right? Like these pillows, this curtain, oh, other people, great. Playlist it for me. News, give me the lens through which I see all things, such that if anyone ever says anything that doesn't fit my paradigm, I can just reject it, even when they are experts in their field. Maybe, especially when they are experts in their field, because I can just say, oh, they're corrupt. Cool, move on. This is our experience in life, right? Utter autonomy actually enslaves. I ran across a, a, a quote from the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. I know all of you have been reading that recently. He said, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. And I think maybe it's, it's actually the dizziness of autonomy because I'm making the case that freedom is something other than just autonomy, right? The dizziness of autonomy, right? I, I am my own authority? Man, that's bad. And it's bad enough, but you add on to I am my authority without the breadth of knowledge or wisdom, right? To be the authority, it's profoundly dangerous. And I believe we see that it results in a life that is lacking in love, that tramples others. It's the spirit of our age. It's the spirit of our age. And so before you start feeling like, yeah, it's those people, or wait, is he talking about me? The answer is, yeah, and me too. 
It's the spirit of our age, right? It's not just this political party or that political party or the youths, right, or the baby boomers. It turns out none of us are immune to the zeitgeist. None of us. If there's a vaccination, though, I'm taking it. I think the only way to inoculate ourselves from the spirit of the age is this. To inoculate myself from, from not just choosing my own entire reality that's different, right? It's Jesus. I think that's the only way to move forward uh, in, a, in a space where uh, everybody is choosing their own, own reality. And so here's the summation of our week. The Spirit's work in Christ's followers ushers us into the true life of liberty. Two weeks ago, we said, this life is the true life of love. Three weeks ago, we said, this life is the true life of obedience. And at the beginning, we said, here's what it looks like. Joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faith-filled, gentle, self-controlled love. That's the life of freedom, right? Freedom is living aligned with the love of Christ Jesus. The word fruit means that this is what God is doing. This is what God is turning us into as we gaze upon the beauty of Jesus, right? In his word, privately, in various ways in our worship, particularly in the preaching of his word, but also as we, as we sing it, as we pray it, uh, as we are in a fellowship that is continually shaped by it, uh, as we encounter his word via his sacraments, baptism, right? We, we remember our own baptisms, even if we don't literally remember it. We remember that Christ has given us a sign and a seal of his grace, and we're grown in it. The spirit meets us there. And in the table we're gonna come to uh, in just a minute, God shapes us as we gaze on the beauty of Jesus and his word in these things. And as we rehearse the good news in our own hearts and to one another, this is what it means to gaze on him. We look on the love of Jesus and act like it's true, act like it's real, right? In faith, we, we act, we move, we obey, believing the good news, and he changes us by his spirit. And we become more and more and more, slowly but surely, more loving. Slowly but surely, more and more and more like Jesus, and we experience more and more and more of this real life, of this real freedom. It's interesting that the work of God in us is compared to something edible. I said this uh, a couple weeks ago, I think. You know, uh, the, the point of fruit is that it's product. A fruit is a product of something, right? So the, the point here uh, is that the Holy Spirit does this work in us. And yet, fruit, being food, is part of that metaphor as well, isn't it? And so over and over and over again in the scriptures, what do we see? Right? Fellowship with God is depicted as a feast, as a, a banquet. Psalm 23, famous, right? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 19, or excuse me, Revelation 19, 9. When the Lord is bringing all things together, the consummation of the new heavens and the new earth, what's he say? Blessed are those who are invited into the wedding supper of the Lamb. So at the end, there's this, there's this feast. There's this fellowship banquet with the Lord. And Jesus talks about it in, in Luke 14 as well. It says, hey, there are people who are rejecting the invitation. Go get anyone you can, right? If the covenant people reject the invitation, and he's talking Old Testament, but you better believe that applies to the New Testament covenant people as well. If the New Testament people are rejecting uh, the offer to come to the table of fellowship, man, you go get everybody you can find. Bring them to the table. There's a feast right, that God is producing in his presence. I love how Ian led us into that earlier, right? Is my life a feast Is my life something that nourishes those around me? Is my life a a banquet, right, that anyone would want to come to? Uh, It cannot be so spiritually, if not tangibly. There's no such thing, right? If if these kids that we bring up here and baptize over and over again, it's like, oh, isn't that sweet? That's wonderful, right? We baptize them, and then they come to us and we're like, Dad, I'm hungry. Jesus loves you. Dad, I'm hungry. Yeah, Jesus loves you. Dad, I'm hungry. Jesus loves you. Do you know who they will not follow? Jesus, right? We, we, we know that pretty instinctively with our kids, don't we? Right? To care spiritually means to care tangibly. There is no separation. And so, uh, for those of us uh, who are among the people of God, uh, here in the real world, if we do not build tables of fellowship for those who do not look like us, think like us, maybe live in a totally different reality from us, to have a seat, perhaps we are not quite at the feast ourselves yet. Right? It means that uh, if I hear about refugees, my first thought is those are people in the image of God suffering. You know, we're not the first people to be told that those coming in from the outside are a security issue. Pretty much every nation in the history of humanity has believed that. And there's a whole lot of the scripture about how followers of God are to think of and treat them. We just call them sojourners, so it tricks us a little bit. It means that if I hear about the unborn, my first thought is about children who have an absolute right to life and a concern for mothers in impossibly complex situations, sometimes with their lives in danger. That's where my concern is, not with disembodied politics and tribalism and laws and what this party is trying to do or what that party wants to accomplish. My heart is with the vulnerable. It means that when we see the hungry, we care for the hungry as people, not as fools who probably squandered this on some wickedness, squandered their lives somehow, and and not as projects 
to make us look good and right, righteous either. Right? And, and I'm talking about this because this is whole discipleship. This is what we've been talking about in core for the last couple months. Right? This is whole discipleship where we say, I'm following Jesus with all of my life, not just the parts that are convenient, not just the parts that overlap with my political tribe's values, whatever political tribe that may be, right, left, center, somewhere else. If I don't care for the hungry, physically, I cannot say that I'm fully caring for the hungry spiritually. This whole discipleship, all our talk of bringing the gospel to people may be impressive to us in that kind of context, but it's not to Jesus. Scriptures make that clear. And so this is why what we are saying again and again is what we want to see, our, our vision, right, is this, all of Athens flourishing in faith. Spiritually flourishing, coming to know Jesus, getting deeper in their relationship with Jesus. Amen. Injustice. It doesn't just stop individually, but it's about uh, the way that people are connected in a society and in compassion as well. And that's the connecting point, isn't it? When you're flourishing in faith, you begin to flourish in love and compassion, live aligned with the love of Jesus in this life of true freedom and, and move out to make things right. This is why we want to see that. But we know, right, that we will move out uh, in spaces where the restoration will be uneven. The, the restoration may be things that we will never see in our lifetime. Uh, the flourishing might not be something I get to witness myself. I don't know. I'm not promised that. But I am promised this, gazing on Jesus, rehearsing the gospel, and moving out will change things. We will move out in hope because he will come and work in and through us. The one who makes all things new is at work in us. The one who makes all things new is at work through us as well. So we can live a life aligned with his love, a life of true beauty and true freedom. Let me pray. Lord, we want to live a life of freedom, not merely because we don't want other things and other people to control us, uh, but because we long to be like you. You've shown us your love. You've shown us care. Uh, you've given so much. You've given all for us. And so we want to be those who respond in your love, walk in your love, walk in the true life of freedom. Not just my utter autonomy, uh, whether that's diving headlong into sin or just making calls on my own life not just obeying because it makes me feel good, makes me look good, but we want to lean into you, obeying by faith that your freedom might come in and through us. And so we pray you would make it so in Christ's name.